Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the MetaBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of cyanide poisoning found under the pulmonary section at MetBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 60-year-old man presents to the emergency room after being caught in a fire. He woke up in the middle of the night to sirens blaring and discovered smoke from the neighboring apartment. He, along with other residents, was brought to the hospital for further evaluation. He reports having some dizziness and headaches. On exam, his lungs are clear to auscultation, and there is no erythema in his throat. His cheeks are cherry red in color, and his lips are cyanotic. His oxygen level is 85% and does not improve with oxygen supplementation. He is started on hydroxycobalamin and thiosulfate for cyanide poisoning. He has also continued on 100% oxygen for carbon monoxide poisoning as well. Let's continue with an introduction to cyanide poisoning. Remember that cyanide is a lethal poison that can act rapidly and fatally. In terms of the etiology, cyanide poisoning can occur from many exposures, including inhalation, ingestion, or direct contact. In fires, this is especially true with burning carpets and textiles. It may be occupational, such as in the plastic and rubber industry, or rodent pesticides. Medical exposures include sodium nitroprusside, which contains five cyanide groups per molecule. Remember to add sodium thiosulfate to nitroprusside solution to prevent cyanide poisoning. Diet exposure includes stone fruits, such as apricots, plums, and peaches, as well as apples, which contain cyanide compounds in their stones and seeds. And ingestion of cyanide salts can occur in a suicidal or homicidal act. In terms of the pathogenesis, Cyanide binds to ferric iron in the mitochondrial cytochrome complex 4, which inhibits oxidative phosphorylation. This causes the cell to convert to anaerobic metabolism, causing accumulation of lactic acid and a metabolic acidosis. This results in a functional hypoxia, as cells cannot use oxygen. In terms of the epidemiology, this is actually pretty rare. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms include hypoxia not responsive to supplemental oxygen and central nervous system symptoms include headaches, confusion, and vertigo. On exam, the cardiovascular may be initially tachycardic and hypertensive. Then it may become bradycardic and hypotensive. Patients may have almond breath odor, pulmonary edema, flushing cherry red skin due to high venous oxyhemoglobin concentration. There may be cyanosis, irritant dermatitis if the skin is exposed to cyanide, and nausea and vomiting if the cyanide is ingested. In terms of further studies, diagnostic testing may demonstrate elevated lactic acid, and ABG may demonstrate metabolic acidosis with an anion gap. Carboxyhemoglobin and methemoglobin levels should be evaluated if there is concern for concomitant carbon monoxide poisoning, and remember that cyanide concentration results are typically not available in time. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about carbon monoxide poisoning. This will present with cyanide poison frequently, but there is improvement with 100% oxygen. Also think about salicylate poisoning. This causes early respiratory alkalosis and transitions to mixed metabolic acidosis and respiratory alkalosis, and this may cause tinnitus. When making the diagnosis, most cases are clinically diagnosed. In terms of treatment, remember that supplemental oxygen is not useful in this case, and all contaminated clothes should be removed all wounds from cyanide exposure should be cleaned. Remember that the antidotes will bind to cyanide 
induce methemoglobinemia or act as a sulfur donor. First-line options include hydroxycobalamin, a precursor to vitamin B12. This combines with cyanide to form cyanocobalamin, which is renally excreted. Another option is thiosulfate. Remember that thiosulfates convert cyanide to thiocyanide, which can be renally excreted. Second-line options include nitrates. Nitrates convert hemoglobin to methemoglobin, which will bind to cyanide. This is contraindicated in those with concomitant carbon monoxide toxicity. Other treatments include activated charcoal. This is indicated if cyanide is ingested. Complications related to cyanide poisoning include Parkinsonism. Remember that the basal ganglia are susceptible to cyanide toxicity via hypoxic effects or direct cellular injury. And lastly, with regards to prognosis, remember that this can be rapidly fatal if untreated. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to cyanide poisoning, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. An 18-year-old college student presents to the ED straight from chemistry lab where he ingested an unknown compound. He complains of a headache and is flushed, tachypnic and tachycardic. Suspecting cyanide poisoning, you administer amyl nitrite, which causes which of the following? And the answer choices are, choice one, oxidation of ferrous iron and hemoglobin to ferric iron. Choice two, a decrease in serum methemoglobin levels. Choice three, formation of thiocyanate. Choice four, chelation of the residue. Or choice five, increase in intracellular NADH to NAD plus ratio. The best answer to this question is, choice one, oxidation of ferrous iron and hemoglobin to ferric iron. In cyanide poisoning, amyl nitrite is given to oxidize hemoglobin ferrous iron and increase circulating hemoglobin. Cyanide poisoning may be due to nitroprusside overdose, toxic ingestion, or burning of furniture or mattresses. Cyanide inhibits the electron transport chain, specifically cytochrome A, A3, causing a decrease in the proton gradient, ATP synthesis, and oxygen consumption and increasing the NADH to NAD plus ratio in the cell, as well as possible seizures and lactic acidosis. Amyl nitrite is given in a cyanide poisoning because it oxidizes the iron and hemoglobin, changing the molecule to methemoglobin. Cyanide binds preferentially to methemoglobin and, when bound, is safely sequestered in the extracellular space and unable to interfere with the electron transport chain. Let's also discuss whether their choices are incorrect. Choice two, administration of amyl nitrate directly increases serum at hemoglobin. It does not decrease serum concentration. Choice three, thiocyanate is a metabolite of the breakdown of cyanomethemoglobin. It is formed following the addition of sodium thiosulfate, is less toxic and excreted by the kidneys. Choice four, Chelation is a technique used to remove dangerous metal compounds such as lead from the body. Cyanide is not a heavy metal. Choice 5. An increase in the intracellular NADH to NAD plus ratio is a result of cyanide poisoning, not an effect of amyl nitrate. That's all for this review about cyanide poisoning. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly 
on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.